Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, this past week, it was Thanksgiving. Praise God. Did you enjoy yourselves? Yes, yes, yes. And this is the time of gratitude and gluttony, hallelujah, where we do all at the same time, right? And uh, it was my 42nd birthday. Got a little older, praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, many people, when they start to hit their 40s or get to their late 30s, they do what this called a midlife crisis. Anybody ever heard of that? Anybody heard of a midlife crisis? Yeah. They start wondering if they're going the right direction in their lives. They start wondering if they're setting themselves up for success. And what I've found even in pastoring this church is that you don't have to be 40 to be in a crisis. I've seen people in a quarter life crisis, right? 25, 26 year old, like where, where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I who I thought I would be, right? And so there is this question of success and if, if God has set me up for success in my life and, and, and the way the world kind of pictures this, it's kind of in two buckets. The Bible says in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, for what does it benefit someone or profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his life? And you don't need to be a Christian to know that you can acquire a bunch of different things. You only need to look on TMZ and look at Hollywood, look at all these people who have everything, but yet their lives are in shambles. You can gain the whole world. You can acquire a lot of things and yet still have an emptiness. And yet the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, that if I give all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So on one end, we already know if I try to acquire everything, that might leave me empty. But on the other end, if I have tons of benevolence and give everything I have away, the scriptures say that that still doesn't benefit. That still doesn't gain anything with God, even though you've given all that you have. away. So it's not success in God's eyes, it's not in acquisition, And it is not in benevolence per se. But hear what the words of Paul are in Acts Acts chapter 21, verse 24. He says, but I consider my life no value to myself. I could live or I could die. I could go to a city and accomplish great things or I might not. But he says, my purpose is to finish my course. Finish my course. That means that each one of us, he goes on to say, that the the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus, he says, I believe that my life can be uncertain, but I know for certain that there is a ministry God has for me, and this is my course. And each one of us has a course, a set of a journey, per se, that God has set us up for. And do you know what's on this course of life that Paul was setting himself up for? Certainly it was mission trips and platforms. He he wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. Certainly it was those things. But do you know above all those things, 
wasn't what he acquired. It wasn't how he gave himself, gave things away. It was people. People are on this course of life. And it is how we treat people that is the indication of success. Because that's why Paul says, if you give away everything you have, but you didn't love people, then you've missed the mark. People. Jesus died for what? People. And Jesus has set you up with a gift, a set of skills in order to bless people. Paul will go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1, in light of this desire that we have to be successful, if you want to be successful and do great things, he says, do this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, when he says pursue love, do you know he's not saying just pursue the concept of love? He's talking about pursuing people. He's saying follow up with people. It means make sure you keep short accounts with people. It means make sure you're blessing people. Pursue love. Pursue, bless, and care for people. And then, therefore, if I want to live a full life and do everything that God has called me to do, then I want as many tools in my tool belt so I can bless more people. Desire, the word desire there means passion, a burning desire that I want to help as many people as possible before I die. People. God has called us to people. And you know, this, is, this is so important because there in this room today, are, there's someone confused and maybe uncertain about the scriptures, but then there's someone here with the gift of teaching connected to a person. There's someone with brokenness in their past and they're hurting, but yet there's someone may have the gift of healing. You see, all our gifts are connected to people. God has not given us our gifts so we can have a better platform so people can see us better. God has given us gifts so we can bless people and that we can see him better. God has given us gifts to glorify him. In light of that, the scriptures give us this picture of desiring more. I wonder if you want more. More. I want to do more for God. Ah, I'm doing some good stuff now, but I want to do some more for God. I want to, you know what? I want a life that's poured out. I don't want to be a cup that's halfway full when I die. I want to be emptied out. I want to do more. I wonder if that's you. Do you want to do more for God? And sometimes people may feel like that's a, a selfish desire. I want more gifts. I want to do more. It may sound like you're asking God and, and, and begging him in a way that might seem strange. But it's not odd to ask God to do things when they're aligning to his will. When you are seeking more gifts and yet they're aligning to the Father's purposes, why wouldn't God give you more? Why wouldn't God give you and bless you with more gifts? I remember when I, when I came up here and to, to start this church, you know, you have to administrate things when you start a church. You have to be organized. I never had that gift. That wasn't something God gave. But as I started going and I started doing, I said, God, I believe you're calling me to this city and to do this great work. But to do this great work, people need plans. They need projects. They have to be able to be followed up with. And I don't believe that I'm particularly gifted in some areas, but I believe God endowed me with gifts for a season so I could do a work. 
And see, God is committed to the work. He's not committed to you having this identity so you can look in the mirror and be like, I am amazing. But he's committed to you so that you would do great things and that you would bless his name. The real question is, do you want to do great things for God? Imagine this. Imagine a parent on Thanksgiving setting things up and say, my daughter Faith came to me and said, Daddy, can I help clean up? Yes, you can, baby. Yes, you can help clean up. Yes, yes. And then, and then, then my daughter Faith comes to me and says, and when I get done uh, cleaning up, can I ask you for more to do? <laughs> yes, you can, baby. You come on right back over here. You say, yes, yes. Yes, I'll give you more to do. Daddy, can I help set the table? I'd like to put the, the, ta- the plates out. You know what I'm saying? I want to set it up. Yes, you can, baby. Yes. Set that table up. I love that. And, Daddy, I'm going to ask you for more when I get done setting up that table. Yes, you can. You come on back here. Daddy, can I wash the dishes? Yes, you can. You can wash the dishes, baby. I want you to wash the dishes. Daddy, can I make the mac and cheese? No, you can't make the mac and cheese. That's, there's a, some things we got to set apart for other people to do, praise God. <laughs> Do you want to fulfill the Father's purposes? Do you want to align with what he's already wanting to do, which is bless people? So why wouldn't God give you more? And God wants to give people more. God wants to give you more. More. He wants you to have, he wants you to ask for more. The, the scriptures talk about bothering God, being the one who asks, seeks, knocks. I wonder if you'd bother God for more. More. God, I want to bless more people. I want to be used more. That's not a dangerous prayer. That's a prayer of humility. Saying, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. And so the real question is: do you want gifts from God? Or gifts for God? Do you want to serve him with your whole life? This is a fundamental question around gifts. This afternoon, we, we've been, as many of you know, we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. And as we walk through it, the Corinthian church have had all these different problems, division, knowledge, the Lord's Supper. All of them have been dealing with this issue of pride. And now we're going to come to a part of the Corinthian text where the issue of pride is still there, where there were some people with some gifts that were, that were putting themselves up front. And we dealt with this when we were talking about the body. But this became more prominent when we were talking about the issue of tongues. The gift of tongues was an issue that was putting people out front. It was causing tension. And it was happening because there were people who, as we said in the past, uh, when dealing with the body, there were people who had behind-the-scenes types of gifts. And so the gift of tongues was a controversy then. I don't know if you know this, but it's a controversy now. Praise the Lord. Well, in light of that, tongues, it's important to note that if you look at the issue of tongues, one, it's... Only seen in two books of the Bible, 66 books. Tongues only talked about in two books. The first book you see it in is the book of Acts, which is a book of history. And when you see it in the book of Acts, that is tongues, you see it in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. 
when people from all around many nations began to speak in other tongues. You also see it in several other chapters of the book of Acts. And then you see it here in 1 Corinthians. What's important to note is that the tongues you see in the book of Acts is a historical moment, meaning there were people who did not know Jesus, and then they got connected with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. But there are other parts of the book of Acts where people came to know Jesus, and they did not speak in tongues. So what that tells us that in the book of Acts, if you spoke in tongues, it might have been a historical moment, but it is not directly connected to salvation. Therefore, we can easily say, if you do not speak in tongues, it does not mean you're not saved. Moreover, it is just a unique gift. He only talks about it in one book. In fact, Paul talks about gifts only in two books. It's not like he talks about books, or three books rather, but he doesn't talk about books constantly. So therefore, we know that this is just a gift that he is putting out there for us to be able to use for people. Therefore, it's not a picture of maturity. If you speak in tongues, it does not mean you're mature. If you don't speak in tongues, it does not mean you're immature. As I've said before, you can speak in tongues all you want, but God has called us to love people in English, praise God. Right? So the issue there, the issue before us then is tongues is not defining our walk with God, but we should be using it to build ourselves up and refining our walk with God, but it does not define us. Also note, the word tongues is the word galasa or galasalalia, and what that word tongue or tongues means is simply languages. When you look in the rest of the lexicon of the Greek, not, uh, Greek history and Greek language, when that word was translated, it was generally translated the word language or languages. So the essence of tongues is not just this idea of tongues or a tongue, but languages. And so there is this concept of having a particular language that we're communicating and connecting with God with. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Look there if you have it. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries. So here's the very important point. It says here about the person who speaks in a tongue or prays in a tongue, first and foremost, this individual isn't understood by people. What does it say? He says the person is speaking another tongue, they're speaking to God. They're not speaking to people. They're speaking to God. So therefore, it is a vertical issue, i.e. tongues is directly connected with prayer, with connecting to God. And so this is a very important point because we, when we think of tongues, we think of possibly, you know, someone who's ecstatic, right, or someone who's in a worship service. But the direct connection here, Paul says, is this person's connecting with God, not necessarily even connecting with people. People, humans, are bound by language, we have to have language to understand each other. We know this from the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, that we have to have words to be able to understand each other. Even if we don't have words, we call it sign language. We need language to understand each other. 
And what this is saying is tongues is not connecting to language per se, but it's connecting to God. Don't you know that you, gotta, you need stuff? You need language for people? There's a woman who speaks Spanish in my office. She's Latina. She comes in. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I took, took about two years of Spanish. I know you didn't know that. Took about two years, praise the Lord. Took about two years, you know what I'm saying? So she comes in, and she, you know, she starts speaking Spanish. I mean, just reels it off, you know, and I feel this need to connect to her. I feel this need to talk to her. For some reason, I don't know if this just happens to me. Maybe it happens to you, but um, when I don't speak a particular language with somebody, like the same language, um, my voice increase, and I start talking slower, and I start using my hands, and she's talking. I'm just like, Banyo, you want me to go to the Banyo? The Banyo is not working. Okay, and I'm louder and weird, and I'm sure she thinks I'm crazy, right? Because I'm trying to communicate with her because I'm bound by language. Human-to-human communication is bound by language. So therefore, since this is a vertical connection, it says a, a great definition for us would be that speaking in tongues is prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker. Now, this is, this is an incredibly important point. It's vertical, primarily. We'll talk about interpretation in a second, but it's primarily vertical. But here's the caveat that Paul will say. People don't understand it, but in verse 14, for if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. People don't understand it, and I don't understand it. And this is the power of what he talks about with tongues is that the issue of tongues is not just the fact that people don't understand, but the person who's praying in that tongue doesn't even fully understand himself. He says, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Have you ever been in a situation where you have something going on, but you can't communicate it? Like you've got something in your mind, in your heart, but you can't put it into words that you, you know, you just can't describe it. You ever had that happen to you? This is the part where you can say yes or no, all right? Amen, amen. Or not, whatever, wherever God has you today. But it's very interesting because even though you have something inside of you you can't describe, you still know what's going on. You still don't know there's something inside of you that's weighing heavy. There's something you want, and you want to connect with someone about it. My daughter, if you were to come into my home this past week, you walk in, you would hear my daughter yelling, wowie. Wowie. In fact, I think that's her right now. Yeah. Wowie. And you would say, what is this wowie you speak of? I've heard of Wawa. Isn't that a place out in Philly, like a little store? Mm? Wowie. Tell me more of this wowie you do in your home. You would not understand what she's talking about. And in many ways, she does not fully understand. But as her father, I know what she's saying. When she says wowie, she's saying, Dad, I'd like to take all my clothes off, get in the tub, put the bubbles in, and the toys. 
That's what Wowie means. Wowie means I want that entire experience. I don't know all the words, and I can't connect it to this entire idea, but I feel something I want. I want a particular experience, and I, need, I know that you understand what I mean. Wowie. <laughs> Feelings and emotions, heaviness. These are all things that God cares about with inside of us. And this is an important point to make. You do not have to pray in tongues for God to understand you either. God is not bound by language. That's a very important point. That before language was made, God understood you. Because he chose you before the foundation of the world. Before before the foundation of language, God chose you. So God fully understands you. So beyond praying in tongues, you can have times of solitude where you say nothing and you just carve out time to be before God. And you quiet your soul before God. Because I've moved around so much, there are people who I miss and I can't connect to them. So I I can just say their name to God. God, bless Bart, bless Tony, bless Keisha, bless these people, God. And I just say their name. And I believe God understands what I'm wanting. God understands what they need. I'm not bound by words for God to communicate well with me. Me and God don't have to work on our communication. Acts chapter 8 is so important in this Because in Acts chapter 8, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Paul says, the Spirit of God intercedes. Look at this. He helps us in our weakness. There's something we weaken. There's something that we're broken. And there's something that we're hurting. And there's something, a burden that we have. And he says, we don't know how to pray. (laughs) We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. There's something going on, and we don't know how to capture it in words. So he says, the Spirit comes in and says, I got you. And the words that the Spirit puts out, the word groanings there, it's this idea of emoting, just connecting to God. And this is something God does for all believers. So this is not bound in the concept of tongues alone, but it is bound in wanting to incline ourselves vertically to God and let God deal with all the weighty issues of our lives. Now, Paul says in verse 3, on the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people. Now, we're talking about people. We're not saying to God. And earlier, he said that the person who prays in tongues, they're just talking to God. But the person who is prophesying, he says they're speaking to people, and he says for three things, for their strengthening, for encouragement, and for consolation. In other words, this person builds people up. And he says that prophesying and tongues were what was happening in this community. Now, when he says prophesy, 
He's not talking necessarily about foretelling, i.e. telling someone about the future. Rather, he's talking about building people up in the present, that you're able to know what's going on with people, not in some kind of just divine, mysterious way, but that you're able to encourage, strengthen, console, be there for people, and to speak into their lives. Paul wanted people to be building each other up constantly. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So Paul says, you know, if I could, I don't know if I had my druthers, if I, if I could just manufacture this whole thing, if I, could, if I was the one selecting gifts, I wish y'all all spoke in tongues. That'd be great. But even more, even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be what? Built up. Look at the concept Paul keeps repeating here. I want the church built up. If you pray in a tongue and there's someone who doesn't understand it and they're standing there, they won't be built up. If you're prophesying, I want to make sure you know that you're in a better position because you're building people up. And the whole point is when people aren't using their gifts, that means people aren't as built up. His point is we are meant to build people with the gifts he's given us. And the person who prophesies, he says, oh, I'd rather you do that. Now, contextually, here's something to point out. In the Corinthian church, it wasn't like this. The Corinthian church were a bunch of people in a house. There's probably 30 or 40 people. The issue that they had was everybody was talking at the same time. It wasn't like this where you had a 30 to 40 minute monologue. It was a dialogue and there were too many people talking. So that's why Paul would say later, everything needs to be done in decency and order. And here he would go on to say that one person would need to speak at a time. So what Paul is getting at here all together is make sure that one person talks so that people can hear and be built up. If a person were to be able to pray in a tongue, his hope is that they'd be able to interpret that if there were other people that were just listening to them. Chapter 14, verse 13, therefore the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. He says if you just get up there and you're saying wawi, 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 and no one knows what you're saying, then you're confusing everybody. He says, that's not the point. The point is not confusion. The point is building up. It's always the point of gifts, to build people up, to love and bless people. So he says, could you think of this scenario, verse 23? If therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues, People who are outsiders or unbelievers come in and they will not, will they not say, y'all are crazy? He says, you're out of your mind. He says, everybody's talking in tongues and I don't know what's going on. I don't have that gift. If tongues are a gift, 
and they're not necessary for salvation and they're not necessary for maturity, then some people will have it and some people won't. If you have a church where we're just all focused on tongues and we start creating this moment where everybody's got to do it, but not everyone has the gift, then some people are going to start faking it. And, so, and, and, so, and far too often, because tongues is very simple to manufacture with just by collecting a bunch of syllables and mushing them together, because anyone can say shando and put a bunch of things together, then the reality is that if you don't have the gift, then you are mimicking other people's gifts. And you're probably not only not doing it as good as them, but you are certainly not doing it from the connection that God intended. So I am not saying speak in tongues, but I'm saying be unleashed in your gifts. And do not be afraid of any gift, particularly that of tongues. Because all of our gifts are connected to people, even if it's building ourselves up. Paul says, man, the non-believer walks in and says, oh, what's going on here? Paul says, there is another scenario we ought to think about. If all, verse 24, if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he'll fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. And so when he's talking about prophecy, he is saying that people are speaking into each other's lives, that people are unleashed in the gift that God is giving him, that, yes, prophecy here is talking about consolation and encouragement and building up. But what he is picturing here is a church where everyone is unleashed in the gifting God has called them to because every gift is connected to a person. And when people are quenching their gifts and not using their gifts, the work of God, the presence of God, the power of God is not fully unleashed. When everyone's prophesying, when they're speaking in, the person says, man, God is really among you. There have been countless times when I've been preaching. I'll go to the outside there and I'll be shaking people's hands. Every now and then somebody will come up to me and be like, who told you? I'll be like, I'm sorry? They'll be like, who told you about the situation with my roommate? You know what I'm saying? Just, I'm like, I'm, I don't, you have a roommate? I don't even know your... <laughs> What's your name again? I'm sorry. I'm bad with names. They're like, you don't know what happened with my roommate last week? Like, I have no idea. They'll be like, oh, okay. You dialed in then. Okay, okay, okay. Right? They act like I know some secret. But here's what I want to encourage you with. It is not that preaching is just this unique moment where you can speak into someone's lives. I believe that when we are all aligned to the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to not just speak, but we will be able to serve. You'll be able to do things that people needed in the right moment. And you did not know their situation, but God just unleashed you to help people. It is not just knowing some secret information. It's being available to God to do great things. This is his greatest desire for us as a church, 
that we would be unleashed in all that God has called us to do. And I pray that you want more. I pray that you want more. I pray you want more out of life. I pray that you don't have to let an age be a moment where you have to say, have I done enough? I pray you just look at the scriptures. When I was in college, I don't know where that, that verse is, but it's in the book of Acts. There's this one moment where Paul, he goes into a city and he like witnesses and they beat his tail and they leave him for dead. You know what this, I forgot, I'm just thinking of it now, but man, they leave him for dead. And you know what Paul does? He gets back up and goes back into the city. And I was just like, yo, look at this dude. And at the time, I was a security guard at a turkey plant, praise the Lord. And I remember thinking, I want to live that way. I want to live with that kind of courage. I want to, I want to be unleashed to do great things for God. And I wonder if you want to do great things for the Lord, because I believe he's given you a great gift, each one of us. And that gifting will draw you into situations, opportunities, and amongst people you never thought or imagined, beyond what your mama thinks about you, beyond what you think about you, think of yourself. God thinks great things, not only about you, but what he's placed inside of you. But he says, desire it, burn with passion for it, want more. Why, why would you want just a little old life where you do a few things and be like everybody else? Want more. Why would you want to just mimic what everybody else is doing and have some gift that everybody else has? Want more. Why would you want to just follow the pattern of other people and be like someone else? God called you to be a voice, not an echo. Be somebody unique. Do something great for God. Want more. And this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy Four, don't neglect the gift. He says that to Timothy. Don't neglect the gift that God has given you. Don't neglect it. He says, it was given to you through prophecy. Someone spoke in your life. And with the laying on of the hands from the council of elders. Now, I hope that you all take gift tests, strength finder, Myers-Briggs, all that. Praise the Lord. Get to know all that. But you know what you can do tomorrow, like you can do tonight, like you can do next week? Walk up to people and ask them how they have helped you, how you have helped them. Or think of all the thank yous you've received, like the things that you've helped people with. Because you know, I've had people say, you know, I want to I wanna speak. I want to, you know, I want to get up front and speak. Well, are people saying thank you already for when you've been speaking? Like, the people around you, like in the smaller environments, are they saying thanks? You really can speak. Like, are they telling you that? Because it is in those environments where you are able to be seen in your gifts. Where are people being served by you? How are you helpful? Well, do more of that. Be unleashed more of that. I believe that as you aim high at serving and blessing people, God will administer even more gifts to you beyond what you could imagine. Your gifts aren't your identity. 
What, because you think because in one season you were really good at one thing, God can't anoint you to do something else? Well, God's like robotic. He's like, okay, this is what you're going to be forever. Or maybe God's, I don't know, dynamic. <laughs> maybe God's creative. I want more tools in my tool belt. I want to do more for you. It was given to you through prophecy. Someone spoke and with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Tonight, we just want a moment where we pray over you. The text here doesn't necessarily say that the laying on of hands is any kind of transfer of gifts. I can't give you a gift. But in many ways, as shepherds, God has called us to be responsible for the souls of the sheep, to pray and intercede over you. We want to do that tonight. I want you to be able to come up and be prayed over and to bless you and to encourage you in the gifting that God has called you to. Now, you don't have to, when you come up, you don't have to pray in tongues just like you wouldn't have to do any gift right now. You don't have to start administrating. You don't have to go up to somebody's phone and be like, let me just delete all your unused apps and all of a sudden you just want to do that right then. The reality is, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And ask God to unleash, pour out his gifts on you, and, and even more so that you'd be confident in the gift that he's given you. We'll have the elders come. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would just bless this time, that you would use this time, that you would set apart this time so that we could love more people, that we could bless more people, that we could be used more. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.